Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, this is your last week. I need everybody to stand up real quick. Come on, I'm not playing. Stand up. I just need you to do a little bit of this. Like, like, like just do, do, do your best Elvis. And, okay, okay, I was afraid of that. Y'all sit back down. I now need months and months and months of counseling after that exhibition. I've got hips thrown out. I got calls going out to chiropractors right now. I've got, okay, all right. Uh, we've been using that song as kind of a launching pad to talk about uh, finances, actually, believe it or not. And uh, we've talked about the fact that this song hit the number two uh, spot on the Billboard chart, 100, uh, the top 100 chart for five weeks, simply because of the guy that sang it. He could have sung uh, Peanut Butter and Jelly, uh, and it would have hit number two on the chart. But, but the concept was this guy kept sending this letter, and it, it kept coming back to him um, because he was having this spat with his girlfriend, and she just kept sending it back. So I've been thinking about mail a lot lately because of this. I, I know some of you never been to a, like a post office in all your little life because you think everything happens through email. But there is this place called a post office, and they have this uh, thing called priority mail. And it, uh, the, the, the issue with it, or not an issue, but one of the things about priority mail is that it costs more to send mail through priority mail. And what that does is it, it does two, th- uh, two or three things. One is it, if you really value what you're sending, if it's important, you send it priority mail. Because, okay, because you want it there, to, either you want it to get there quicker or you want to assure that it's going to get there because right now you're not always guaranteed that it will get, the, okay, some of y'all know. Okay, or the people that take the mail recognize because it's got the little sticker on it that this is a really important piece of, of whatever, package, letter, whatever, so they got to pay special attention, get it there properly. And then the person that receives it recognizes that it is important. So I want to talk about priorities this morning. Priorities. I want to talk about that. I want you, I, I want to do this. Um, I want us to take a look at two uh, interesting passages of Scripture. What you're going to discover, it's interesting to me because two separate people connected, but two separate people have two very eerily similar experiences and encounters. And I want you to see this out of the lives of two prophets. They're connected because it was Elijah and Elisha. And, and so you know that Elijah trains Elisha. Elisha is Elijah's mentor, if you will. And both of these prophets have a similar encounter. And when you examine these two experiences, what they do is they help us learn some lessons about what we do with what gives us, some insights about managing the provisions that God has given us. May I just stop one second and remind you that, the, that the, our Father is the source of everything, everything you've got. I, I know you're working at Walmart, but Walmart is not the source. God is the source. Walmart is the channel. I know you love your boss, hopefully, but even if your boss is a jerk, it doesn't really matter because he's not the source anyway, right? God is our source, and so we, we have this responsibility to steward. That's a, that's a weird word for some of us. We're not really taught that. We'll talk about that more in a moment. We're, 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 we are responsible for stewarding what God gives us, all right? So here we go. I want you to join me. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to read several verses there, and then I'm going to go to 2 Kings and read this similar account. 
Two different accounts, similar experience. First Kings chapter 17, verse 10. So he went to Zarephath, this being Elijah, as he arrived at the gates of the village. Okay, stop right there for one second. I just need you to back up on your own time and read that God told him what he was gonna discover when he gets here, all right? So he's following the word of God. He's not on a mission of his own. He's following the instructions of God. So he, he, as, he as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a happy meal. It doesn't say that. It says, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your, your God. That's an interesting phrase there. I swear by the Lord your God. How did she know? I don't know. Maybe he looked like a prophet. Maybe he had a Passion Church t-shirt on. I don't know. But she recognized instantly that this guy believed in God. I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in this house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make me a little bread first. Okay, yeah, put, come on, read the Bible and insert yourself into this situation. Stop what you're doing. Don't go, go, go fix the food, but bring it to me first. Okay, all right, some of y'all there. Uh, th then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, come on, let's celebrate the faith of this lady. She did what Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Second Kings chapter 4, very similar, verse 1, this being about Elisha. The wife of the man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So she's a widow. Here she comes. Watch. Your servant, my husband, is dead. She's a widow. Okay, are you with me? Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. I'm going to read that again because I've always skipped this part. Your servant, your servant, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves, and Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar, small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and, you, and, and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and said, go, he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons, you and your sons can live on what is left. Both prophets encounter a widow. And so let's just talk about this this morning. In the first account, Elijah finds a woman that is about to eat her last meal with her son, and then she plans on dying, starving to death, and he steps in with what seems like a very selfish, egotistical 
self-centered request. Okay, are y'all reading now? Let's go, let, let's put it in your, let's, like, you've got nothing left at home. You've got, like, a little bit of, you've got two Pop-Tarts left in your cupboard, and you're planning to go home and eat those this afternoon and die, but Pastor Steve shows up on your doorstep this afternoon at lunch saying, I need a Pop-Tart, feed me first. And by the way, I don't just like one Pop-Tart, they sell them in a two-pack, so you've got to eat them both, so I'm going to eat it all. Okay. Feed him first. My simple question to you this morning is this. What if she'd refused to take care of a God request first? This account teaches us some stuff I've already taught you. It certainly teaches us order. Order matters. Order matters. We are required to give to God first. Order is crucial. So let me just help you. It is not a tithe if it's not first. <laughs> if you wait till the end of the month to see if you got enough money to pay all your bills, then I will tithe. Newsflash on a Sunday morning at Passion Church, you did not pay your tithes because tithes are first. This account also speaks to a situation that's bad. Okay, let's talk about this situation. I, I just started thinking about this situation. Surely this woman should be allowed a break in giving. Oh, Y'all ain't helping me none. Surely this woman, she should have been exempt from sacrifice. Think about her situation. This is a bad, surely God would understand in this particular predicament that giving can be put on pause because things are so bad in my life right now, I can't afford to give. Surely this woman gets a get out of tithe free pass. Yeah. I, I, I wonder... I wonder instead if this woman's experience doesn't teach us that when we are in need, we are still required to give. I, 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 in fact, what our story teaches us is that when we give out of our need in a dire situation, some of you are examining your own situation right now. I don't have two pennies to run, rub together. We'll talk about two pennies in just a moment. I don't have two pennies to rub together. Surely, God, I'm exempt from doing what you've asked us to do. What her, what her story teaches us is this, is that, that, that when we get out of our, give out of our need and even in a dire situation, God gets involved. Has anybody else in the room ever discovered that when I give out of the need of my life, like have, has anybody else, maybe just me, maybe, I, maybe I'm talking to some high rollers today and you've never wondered where your next meal's coming from. You don't know if you can put gas in your car. Not sure I can buy my kids shoes. Uh, Y'all don't know. Y'all think it's always been like it's been for us right now. Could I take you back to Greenville, North Carolina where we don't even, our refrigerator goes out. All the food we got in the world is in that refrigerator and and we don't have enough money to buy another one. Is there anybody that's ever experienced that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you also experienced the fact that when even out of that situation, you continue to do what God commands to do, that suddenly, it's just like weird. We got a call on the phone. Somebody said, hey, I don't know. We didn't tell anybody. And the phone rings and somebody calls it. Hey, I don't know, but maybe I thought you might need a refrigerator. You think? Yeah. And within two hours. A better refer okay, y'all, y'all. So, 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 our willingness to put him first 
moves him. If, if, you don't, if you don't believe that, then you need to go to the New Testament and you, re, you need to go back and read how moved Jesus was by another widow who gave the smallest offering in the offering. He, this freaks us out. Uh, we're going to invite Jesus to do this today. Jesus is standing watching as they're giving their offering. We're going to invite Jesus to come and watch us give offering today. Make you nervous? That's exactly what it says he was doing. He was watching them. How else would he have known? He's standing there watching, and this woman brings the smallest offering, two pennies, mites. They're called mites, like a penny. And she puts them in the offering plate, and it says that Jesus is moved. Moved. And so, so why, why does it work that way? Let me tell you, if we wait until the end, then what we do is we're stating that we think we, ma- we can manage the situation we're in through our own strength and ingenuity. It's when we put God first. At the end of the month, it's no longer a tithe, it's a tip. So, so let me tell you what this woman illustrates for us, then I'll move on. Our responsibility to give to God first is not determined by our current situation. We have a responsibility to take care of God first, even when times are tough. So maybe this account is a really good account to read when inflation is at the highest levels that some of you have ever seen in your lifetime. Not, I've seen it higher because I'm old. But some of y'all freaking out right now. And so your conversation has begun to turn like this. God, I'm just going to have to take a break a minute. And there's not enough for you. There's only enough for me. But, 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 but God, you don't understand. Gas costs more right now than it's ever cost in my lifetime. You don't understand, God. Milk is up 33%, God. You don't understand. I, I just can't do it, God. And what this little widow lady teaches us is that we are still, even in a bad situation, responsible for taking care of God first. So this morning in your chair, um, we're going to get to this to the end, but in your chair there's a God guarantee card. You say, well, Steve, we do this like we've done this like the last five years. Can't you come up with anything else? Why would I try to come up with anything else when this works? This is, all this is is, the, is, a, is a commitment that we make that we say we're going to give 10% of our income first First, first, first check we write. Some of y'all don't even know what a check is. <laughs> I was with Pastor Andrew a couple years ago, and I said, hey, here's a blank check. You need to pay this bill. Write it. He said, I don't know how. I said, okay, this is how you do it. You write it out. I'm serious. So for you youngins, uh, that means the first thing I do online is I give. I do an auto draft first of the month for 90 days. I do it in a way that we can track it so we know you're not playing the system, trying to get something that doesn't belong to you. You can track it for 90 days. We track it for 90 days. And at the end of 90 days, if God hasn't blessed you, not just financially, but in other words, in other ways, healing, relationship repair, peace, joy, because he doesn't just give us money. He's our source for all that. If he doesn't come through in 90 days, we will give you your money back. You say, why would you do that? You want to know why? Because he never fails. 
when we're obedient, he never fails. So, so that is in front of you. And even if you've done it year after year, I want you to do it again as a reminder to yourself that I am participating in this. And I just need to tell you, I don't even have time this morning. I just need to tell you, you don't even know the number of miracles we have literally seen in this body, uh, in people's lives, li lives being changed, turned around, situations being flipped on their head simply because people that either were not giving like they're supposed to started giving or even some people that had always given that said, you know what, God's been so good to me, 10%'s not enough. This year it's 11%. And God comes through every time. So, they, so, 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 so most of the time, this is the challenge. Here's where we're going to shift gears a little bit. Most of the time in church, stay with me now. Most of the time, see, I, I can read some of y'all's facial expressions right now. Some of y'all not liking this? Because most of the time in church, all you hear is giving. Which you should hear about giving because we're commanded to give. What we don't normally teach well is stewardship. Okay. You're amen to me now. You're not going to be amen to me here in a minute. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. Because there's a second account. The first account teaches us about giving and teaches us about order. But I want us to look at this second account because it teaches something else. It teaches stewardship. See, Elisha shows up in a very similar situation. He walks into this village, and this woman comes running out to him, and she begins to talk to him. I want you to notice what she says. It says, the wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, you missed it, I missed it, your servant, my husband, is dead. Hang on just a second. This guy who just recently passed away was a part of the school of prophets under Elisha. Now you missed it. Elisha is his mentor. Are you still? Come on now. He's like enrolled in the school of prophets. Like he's spending time with your servant, Elisha, is dead. Okay, okay. Then she says, and he revered the Lord. He was a good, God-fearing man. Okay, see, I knew, I knew some of y'all know where I'm headed and y'all not liking me much right now. We're taught giving. We don't want to talk stewardship. It says, she says that, that he is a godly man. But then, in the, then, then she informs Elisha this, the creditors are coming to take my two boys as, as their slaves. Okay. Notice this woman's husband was in the ministry. He was in the school of prophets. He served Elisha. He's being mentored by the prophet. He's described as Elisha's prophet uh, or servant. She states that this man was a godly man. He revered the Lord. And in the next breath, she tells Elisha that her sons are about to become slaves because her husband's debts are coming due and she doesn't have them, uh, the means to pay them. Are you ready? Buckle up, buttercup. Here it comes. Here it is. Here it is. He loved Jehovah, but he left his family in jeopardy. He may have been righteous, but he wasn't wise. Oh, okay. So the first widow taught us that we have a responsibility to give God first. The second widow teaches us that we have a responsibility to take care of our home. 
In fact, according to Proverbs chapter 32, verse, or 13, verse 22, Proverbs 13, 22 says this, a good man, listen to this carefully, a good man. So if you don't do what this proverb says, then you, come on, do the logic with me. If he says you're a good man, if you do this, what are, if you, do, what are you if you don't do this? Okay. Y'all are with me then. A good, y'all don't even know what the verse says and y'all, y'all with me. You're, you're going to want to reverse course. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So her experience is teaching then that we're responsible for and must work in two realms. We work in the supernatural, but we must also work in the natural. It is not enough, here it is, it is not enough to build the kingdom and destroy your castle. A kingdom-minded man must also think about this. I think I got some kingdom-minded men and women in the house. I need to help you this morning. As kingdom-minded people, we must start to ask ourselves this question. How am I going to take care of my responsibility to cover my family from my grave? So there's a balance. We steward what we have to take care of and we take care of God first and then we take care of our family. So how do we do that? Because some of y'all know about your bank account. How do we do this? Are you with me? Stay with me just a little longer. I got to get you here. If we get the order right and we take care of God first, then how do we handle the rest of what he gives us? Because if you've been participating in God's guarantee, you recognize that God gives you stuff, not just finances, he gives you stuff once you do what he asks you to do. So how do, we, how do we manage that? Here we go. You can only do five things with money. They're going to put them on the screen. You need to write these down. Here they go. Put them up there. You can spend it, right? You can save it. Put them up there quick. You can invest it. You can loan it, and then you can give it, right? That's, what, that's how most of us deal with our money and our stuff. But what I want to tell you is I want to help you and position yourself to be able to take care of, of God first and then how to take care of your family. The way you do that, put them up here quick, is you flip the list. Flip the list. Do it. This is what we do. Put them up there quick, 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 quick. Right? So here, here's what we do. We take care of God first, we give. The second level is loan. Let me just caution you that there is instruction in the Bible about how to loan. I'm not just telling you to give money to everybody. I'm not telling you, like, I I got a loan, so, so here's my car. Yeah, if they've wrecked the last six cars they've driven because they're driving like an idiot, then gotta use some wisdom here, all right? I'm just trying to help you. Then we invest then we save, then we spend. That's how, y'all, see, I went from, I went from preaching, I, I went from preaching to teaching, and y'all aren't very comfortable right now because when you go off to, into teaching, that means I got to apply it. If I just preach it, you can amen me, and then I'll have to do nothing with it. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to encourage you to leave them up there, leave them up there. I want them to see them. I, wanna, I want to challenge you to do this. I want you to examine the resources that you have against the lists. 
And I want you to ask yourself this question. Which way am I living? Are you setting yourself up to be in the situation of the second widow? Have I given to God, but I have nothing for my family? So let me just be very, very, very transparent with you. About two years ago, I, uh, I started saving up for a car. My, the car I had had 100,000 miles on it. I was starting to have some issues with it. I started saving money, working a second job, umpiring. Yeah, you, you get rich umpiring, by the way. <laughs> not really, not really, 30, 30 bucks a game. Uh, but I started putting some money aside, just save, trying to save up, save up, save up. And I went and bought this car. Which meant for the first time in seven years, I think it was seven years, we had a car payment. And I'm, I'm 54, so I'm probably in a midlife crisis. I told Julie, it's either I trade in the car or, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. That was a joke. Okay, joke. She'd kill me in my sleep. It's a joke. All right. So I saved it, saved it, saved it. Went and bought the car. Car payment. The problem is, is that at the same time my, I bought this car with a car payment, my life insurance expired. Here's the issue. I got that life insurance 30 years ago. I was younger. I had not had a heart attack yet, which for those of you that don't know, I had one eight years ago. And so I recognize that I have a responsibility to take care of my family. So I start shopping life insurance. There's a problem. I was 30, it was 30 years ago. I was a young buck with no health issues. And all of a sudden the life insurance policy quotes start coming in and they're expensive. They're less than my car payment. And I had to have this come to Jesus talk with Steve that I'm asking some of you to have with you. I sat in my, my little office at the house and I was like, I can't do this, man. I cannot afford this. And the Holy Spirit said to me, so what you're really saying is you don't mind the fact that when you're dead and gone, you're going to be able to hand the keys of a car to your kids that are going to, that's going to have hundreds of thousands of miles on it and be worth nothing. And you're okay with that. And you'll balk at a lower payment to take care of the responsibilities that you have for your family. So that, here it is, so that not only your wife will be taken care of, but your children. So y'all weren't ready for me this morning. Y'all thought I was going to get up here and like, woohoo, let's go. I'm telling you, you've got to examine the list and how you're using what God has given you. So, 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 so I had to come to this idea that I am responsible. You're responsible to give to God first, but you're also responsible for your family. My challenge to you today is this, get the order right, give to God first, but then do not revert back to, to an out of order list when it comes to the resources that God is providing or you will miss this. Here it is. You will miss a blessing. Here it is. We don't even know how to think like this. 
you will miss a blessing that can go from generation to generation. This is what I've learned. We know that God is a God that wants to bless from generation to generation. He proves that throughout Scripture. Here's our issue. We miss out on this type of blessing because we settle for a my generation blessing. God thinks generationally, we think this weekend. But if we would learn the list and we would apply the list, then we would manage the resources that God has given us. There would be more than enough for not only you, but for your children's children. Here we go, and then I'll get out of your way because some of y'all are really uncomfortable. Isaiah chapter 55 states that God sends, to the far, he sends seed to the farmer and bread to the eater. Go look it up yourself. He says he sends seed to the farmer and bread to the eater, right? You're not with me yet. Isaiah 55 says that God sends seed to the farmer and bread to the to the eater. Could it be that what he is sending us is being determined by how he knows we will use it? Could it be that he would send you a blessing that would go from generation to generation, but he knows he cannot send you that kind of blessing because you'll squander it and refuse to steward it and you'll use it all on yourself? seed for the farmer, somebody that's planning for the future, or there are some of us that are bread eaters. We get it. We consume it. We consume our seed. God can't trust us with seed. He simply sends us bread because he knows you'll use it all on you. Mm. I want you to notice one last thing in the second account. We are taught how we're supposed to handle what God gives us. The Bible says in the second account, they take the oil and they are instructed to sell it. They invest the resources. They, they steward the blessing. And it says this, go back and read it for yourself, to live on it. And I have always read this like this, that this little widow woman would be able to live on the resources the rest of her life. Wrong. Go back and read it yourself. It says you can live on it the rest of your life, you and your sons. In other words, she discovered that she had been sent a seed, not just enough bread to eat right now and get by. God had sent her a seed, and when she managed the seed, I need some 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds to get a grasp of this and quit showing up at 70 years old and having nothing for you and your family because we eat our seed. I'm asking you to get the list out, figure out what God has sent you and learn to manage it properly so that a generational blessing will flow in your life and your children's children will be able to do what we're called to do priorities plural we are called to give to God first and then our priorities are plural then we take what he's given us and we manage it so that our children's children's lives are changed forever father we need your help it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more passion church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.